0: Welcome. It is the Ski Bomb Podcast, and it is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? For a live studio audience, everything's going good. We're getting big time now. There you go. Big time, man. Yeah, it's going good. Big time. Things things are, are moving. Things are progressing. We're getting close to a very exciting event about a month away. We had an awesome conversation with our new pal, Andrew Steven, who is the host of the Trailweight podcast, which this is releasing on the same day as season two of the Trailweight podcast. He's a very interesting guy. He's got a very cool life story. And he has some, has some interesting discussion on this season about a topic we've talked about in the past, about hmm. the Disney ski resort that almost happened sort of almost happened in the Sierras in California. So we only touched on that topic very briefly. We had a very philosophical conversation, very good conversation, very philosophical, deep fun. We think you guys will enjoy it. So check that out in the main topic. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out. SkiBumpPodcast.com. Or on your favorite socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Untapped, YouTube at Ski Bump Podcast. Hit us up. Send us a note. Let us know what you think. Skibump Podcast at gmail.com. Go to your favorite podcasting apps, rate, and subscribe. Big thank you to our sponsor, The Chuck Bucket. This episode thank is brought you to Bucket. you, yes, by the Chuck Bucket. It is a brand new ski rack from a startup out of Salt Lake City, Utah. It is a trailer hitch rack that's designed to hold eight pairs of skis or four plus snowboards or whatever you can think of that will fit in said chuck bucket whatever you've been chucking it it's only limited to your imagination oh it's simple to load for the whole family and it's easy for anyone to install and uninstall from the hitch check them out at chuckbucket.com also they have a pre-order available for their bike rack So you take the initial stem and trailer hitch mount from the Chuck Bucket, take off the bucket, attach the bike rack, boom, four bikes in the back. Bucket to bike. Bucket to bike, baby. Bucket to bike it. Check them out, thechuckbucket.com. Thank you so much, Chuck Bucket. Also, Snowbound Expo. Yeah. Boston, your cousin from Boston. You know who's going to be there? These guys. These guys. We are going to be there. We're going to be hosting the this guy, that guy. Yes, we're going to be hosting the snow skills cabin. We're going to be hosting. If you have the waffle cabin at every one of your favorite ski resorts, oh, you will love the
1: Snow skills cabin with their faces on them, and they. Burn I wonder, in there.
0: does AliExpress have a make a custom waffle iron? When you
1: order from AliExpress, you can order a person to make you the waffles, and they could just hang out there and make waffles all day.
0: Do they have any sort of like origami masters who can like carve out your face out of the waffle? An origami waffle in the likeness of you. Or like you know those people who are like those win those pumpkin carving contests. Yeah, maybe they can carve a waffle in our likeness.
1: Oh, we're passing pumpkin season now.
0: Why not? But no, that's good because everyone will have practiced. During pumpkin season, harnessing Mm -hmm. their skills, and then they can roll into waffle season, which is November, and they can do our likeness. Pumpkin sensei. Like a Belgian waffle, big thick waffle, and they're carving our faces out of it. Hmm. How about
1: you pour waffle stuff on the outside of a pumpkin, flame it on, and then you have a waffle pumpkin?
0: That sounds... Well, what are you going to do with it at that point? I don't know. It just sounds cool. Is that like an Iowa State Fair kind of thing? Like deep-fried pumpkins? Wrap it in bacon. Wrap
1: it in bacon. It's <laughs> some kind of turducken with a pumpkin in there. Like, like a I don't funnel, know. funnel cake pumpkin. Ooh, a funnel cake turducken.
0: <laughs> That's, that could be something. A, fr, a How is the? does the funnel cake Would it stick to the turducken? I don't know. How about you take the turducken,
1: shove it in a pumpkin, and deep-fry the pumpkin with the tur- just, turducken in or it. Or just
0: blend it all up and... <laughs> pour it over your waffle whatever Pretty you gotta
1: shit. do yeah it's an, another smoothie bowl
0: snow skills cabin up. waffle cabin we'll have waffles a, there maybe would a beef smoothie know.
1: uh beef smoothie bowl be good or bad
0: depends how hungry you
1: are i mean it's all beef right like i i just don't know about like liquefied
0: bacon just take your chipotle bowl and liquefy it
1: yeah chipotle right? bowl with meat and rice that actually wouldn't be well, isn't that kind of what you're That's doing? dog you food, it? isn't it?
0: It's, it's like eating a baby anyway. It's just gross. You're already in that zone. It's just nasty. But what's not nasty, Boston Snow Show, Snowbound Expo, Heinz Convention Center, November 18th through 20th. We will be there all three days hosting the Snow Skills Cabin stage. We're going to be awesome guests. Be the highfalutin ski bums in the
1: back bay, slugging it out. It's going to be wicked.
0: We're excited. We're going to have discount codes awesome. next week. I don't know what happened to them. We haven't gotten the the code yet, but we will have it next week. If you want to wait a couple minutes, get fifty percent off. We're kind of telling you the DL, but yeah. next episode, next post episode, it on socials too, or just the
1: socials. That's the easiest way. Once we get it, it's going out distribution.
0: Snowbound Expo. We are going to be there. We're super excited. Hopefully, we'll see you there. Check it out, Mario. Let's kick this podcast off the way we always do. It's time for our pray today.
1: Well, I've been at praying already because it's we're doing this on a Friday, so it's been a rough, long week. And it's uh,
0: funny because the last couple we not the last one, but the previous few before where we had to do rappers for interviews, we did a bunch of on Mondays, and you're like, Yeah, I got (laughs) filtered water, baby. I know, just
1: water. I'm like, Nope. No water today. I'm like, I got home. I was like, I wanted to drink at work today. It was bad. I got to say, it's one of those weeks that you're just kind of the full moon week. I think I wanted to punch somebody in the face. This like, it was just a rough week, and it's kind of like you wanted to punch, then cry, and then hug. Like it's just a weird, weird ass week. And emotions are all over the place. Kind of feel like I got run over by a truck a little bit. So today was, I was looking forward to happy hour, little opre. There you go. And then I realized. I think it was it's like a good opera, but a little angry good opera because I realized Lord. you know what <laughs> you know what we missed, <laughs> we missed freaking Oktoberfest this year.
0: Oh, look at you.
1: So I, I went out, saw the uh, three daughters, which is a local brewery down here. I got their Oktoberfest because Oktoberfest ended last week, which it just makes me sad that I just kind of don't keep track of it and I don't know.
0: But anyway, to do. you're living your life. You're banging things out like this is not, you know, you're not like 23 and you're like, it's the highlight on your, on your calendar year. You know, this is I know, but it's on is the
1: it is. it's highlighted on my calendar for next year already. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see if it goes The rebirth. Twenty twenty three. Well, the big thing is trying to, especially October, is trying to get people to go. like Because everybody's like, oh, yeah, man, I'll go. We're going to do October. 1st. And then like you book a they ticket. say in January. <laughs> and you make a reservation. And that's when you see who's really going. Because people are like, oh, man, I don't have the money for it. Oh, I don't have the time for it. Like My wife's never going to let me go. I'm like, dude, don't you remember we were hanging out and you were like,
0: fuck her. i will go wherever I want. <laughs> Dude, I had four beers. It was, you know, yeah. a different exactly. time. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. Just like the ski trip we were going to take too. Remember that? Oh man. <laughs> yeah. People who flake on ski trips tend to yeah. flake on. Uh, on exactly. Us too. Oh yeah, we're going to Jackson Hole. We're going to do big air. Like
0: yeah, okay. We're doing we're going. Corbetts, bro. We're doing Corbetts. Like, that's easy to say. Like Fourth of July weekend when you're exactly. in Tampa. Yeah. Like, when the rubber hits the right road. Oh, like,
1: I can't do it, bro. Can't make it, man. No, you can make it. I didn't work out all summer. Come on, man. You're still going, and I'm throwing you off a of Corbett's. That's what. That's keep what your friends legs into do. shape.
0: <laughs> your legs into shape. I'm gonna help you realize your dream. I'm gonna throw you off a of Corbett's. How about that? You know what they should do? They you know remember that scene in Fight Club, where he pulls the gun on the guy working at the convenience store? Yeah,
1: it's a little bodega, and he's
0: he pulls his wallet out. He's like, "What is this?" He's like, "It's an expired college, you know, ID." Yeah. Like, what are you going to school for? He's like, veterinarian. He's like, he's like I'm going to come back in six months. If you're not on your way to being a veterinarian, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and he's like, it's like the next meal he has is going to be the best meal of his life. That's right. Take your friend to Corbett's. Don't let him realize you've attached a string to him or a rope. Yeah. you're gone. Not, The string isn't going to work. The rope. You launch him off of there. And right when he's about to plummet to his death, you kind of like reel him in.
1: Or you could just push them it's like, Hey, why don't you look at Corbett's? And then boop! just a little, little, little hand, just whoop, the little hand from God just pushes you down.
0: Like they should have like jackass at Corbett's <laughs> like a jackass, but like I have a bungee there. That, like you can like, and hook that's where
1: jackass is shut down forever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you hook it up to someone and you push them off. <laughs> that would be great. Oh, damn until they swing back and they smash their face to the side and then you know they're hanging unconscious yeah and then you're there for like five hours it's not even what
1: happens it's like you gotta hang around the paramedics the crying like you don't you don't have time to deal with it like I, I gotta go <laughs> just so <laughs> like I'm very sympathetic to a point and then I'm like alright you gotta shut this fucking guy up my ski day <laughs> <laughs> so horrible god damn see it's been one of those damn weeks yeah. so how's the beer <laughs> So I'm drinking it to Marzen, which uh, Marzen is like the Oktoberfest type of beer, and it's a little right. caramely. It's almost like a malty, f- malty. I would say that's the that's the. It's like liquid malty caramel. It's just definitely awesome. And this is uh this one's
0: actually pretty dry on the dry side. Now you've had several things from three daughters, and I think oh. you liked a bunch of stuff. Wasn't something that was like terrible from them. Oh, there's
1: always like every brewery. I mean, I've had dogfish head stuff that was just like, why would you put that in a bottle? But <laughs> um, no, three daughters legit. They're out of a, uh, they have a St. Pete one now. And right out at the beach here, they have a uh, tasting room right above Hooters. And it's funny. Like, so I'll go with my wife and we'll walk and we walk up the stairs. Cause you're not, you know, fat ass people just, I don't know, <laughs> I, nothing against them, but we walk up the stairs like regular people. And they're on the third floor. So it's funny. Nobody wants to go past the second floor. It's like, walk a little bit up and you get to like a brewery instead of going to Hooters where it's the same old shit. You know, I don't know.
0: They've got a winning formula though. Not really. There's other places that are better. Just saying. (laughs) That's true. It's, It's a very basic spot for people who want to creep on waitresses. But it's funny. So you go up there and you're like hanging up there and you're like,
1: it's all different branding, different like colors to brand and you know, cause Hooters is very orange and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> this is like very baby blue. So it's kind of orange, baby blue. They go together. It's kind of like and podcast colors. Complimentary. So you go up there and we go up there quite a bit cause they opened up, I gotta say like two, three months ago. And every time we're at the beach, I'm like, let's go get one beer there and just hang out, see what they got on taps. And, you know, they'll rotate and put their new stuff on. Um, and now they know it's like, Hey, how's it going? <laughs> so it's kind of funny. And then they got nice. people up there playing music and it's just, you walk past all the TVs and all the pomp and circumstance and you get upstairs to a nice, beautiful oasis, beautiful view of the Gulf of Mexico. Dude playing, little crunchy dude playing his guitar. And you're drinking a fresh beer.
0: Not bad. And you can almost picture yourself being at Apre <clears throat> at a ski resort, can't you?
1: Yeah. Just a little right? colder, a little more clothes, the boots on. I love my boots. I actually look forward to wearing my ski boots. You're a madman. I, I love it. Those, those ones we got, though, the custom ones, that's the way to go. That's way the only to way to go. That's what gentlemen right, so, do. So this margin, it's pretty damn good. Uh, I got to say, it's not like <laughs> it drinks like a light beer, but it tastes like a like a big beer you know what i mean like Hmm. and it's it's on the lighter side i believe what the abv is uh it's between it's like a six abv which isn't bad actually um that's about right for a marzen yeah but it 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 drinks light you know i've used 18 to 24 so it's not hoppy yeah not hoppy at all but you taste that caramel i like that caramel flavor
0: yeah marzins is just they just work this time of year just the right beer for the does the job.
1: Yeah, they should be, could be all around all year, all year. But how about a pumpkin Marzen? Does anybody make one of those? Just mix it together. I don't know. I saw, I saw a pumpkin on sale the other day and I was like, <laughs> what? That's
0: one of the best. But uh, didn't buy it. I was like, I'm not feeling pumpkin this year. Yeah, I still have my gourds gone wild that you sent me that I got to have at That's- some point this month. That's a good one, Tambourine yeah. Company. I, I didn't about see that yet.
1: out in the stores this year. I don't know if they... Oh, maybe I have gold in my fridge. You may have gold. That might have gone the way of the locos. <laughs> <laughs> the way of the both locos. Gourds are gone. <clears throat> they are not. They haven't gone wild. Well. They're just gone. They're just gone. Gourds, Gourds gone. gone. It's got to be somewhere. Now that
0: you mentioned it, I got to look for it. I haven't seen it. There you go. You got homework now. Got homework. So what so do you I got? Was, I was going to go beer, and I just... Uh, I, I was... Actually, it was away at a conference this week. I was in Denver. That city, man, it has so many homeless. It is crazy, dude.
1: Every big city
0: so has a ton of homeless. Many homeless. Especially yeah. like the worst thing is that, like you see the Colorado, you know, Association for the Homeless, and there's just like their doors are closed, and just people everywhere just like sleep on the street. <laughs> bad. They like
1: broke the door down. They're sleeping in there.
0: Yeah, it was bad. I was actually really good this week. I actually like worked out every morning. I was at the conference. What? Damn. I, I did good. Then I got home and I ordered two more goddamn loaves of sourdough. Like, I just... And I went... Oh, like You're I the, still on the sourdough kick, aren't you? Well, I made, I made myself take a month off because I had it in September. How about a sourdough stolen? Uh, dude, <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> well, they do a cinnamon raisin bread. So I'm like, oh, that could be like the... uh the gateway to the Stolen. The, ga- so I, the gateway. I housed, I housed half it's a loaf. A <laughs> I housed half a loaf in the last day. So I'm like, I gotta something lighter for the apprae. So I just went with a nice basic vodka and soda. Nice. And but just it, but you know what? This bottle, like this bottle is just it's ridiculous. Just, it's just and ridiculous. awesome. It's just like the giant Kirkland bottle of vodka. And you know, like if one was to go have a really long podcast, one could just sit sit here and just keep pouring and pouring and pouring and things could get very out of hand, (laughs) off the rails very quick. But I have my little cup. I got a Waterloo Black Cherry, which is, you know, that's one of the uh, the better, the better seltzers you're going to get. It's called Sparkling Water. It's very fancy. Because there's no calories and no fake stuff in there, right? Keeping it light. Keeping it light. Keeping it clean fresh delicious i did have a couple of good beers out in denver the denver beer company had a couple good ones and then one from odell which was good a pale ale odell hazy beckham. pale ale odell beckham jr the third yeah i drank it with one hand i'd like they chucked me the beer i had to catch it <laughs> yeah <laughs> one catch hand it. beer catch one hand yeah. bro one hand one hand bro i mean you know vodka soda it is what it is you know it takes you you know ready to go gets the job it done is. That's probably one
1: of the best things you could drink cuz it's really clean, not as junky as some other stuff.
0: I went to a wedding this past <clears> summer <throat> and I drank I think like 6 or 7 vodka sodas and I was fine. Cuz yeah. it was a lot of ice and <coughs> you know it was it was a wedding. I mean it wasn't it was a beautiful wedding. The location was awesome, but they definitely got the lower end of the booze package. Oh. They had Svedka vodka. I'm like, I haven't had Svetka in like a decade. Dude, <laughs> like, as long as you didn't see anything called fighting
1: cock or pop you're good. It's good. It's not a plastic bottle. It you know, may have 1. been plastic. 1.2.5 liter.
0: But like, do you remember like their ad campaign they had like a decade ago? It was like the top vodka of like 2055 or something. They had those like. Oh, yeah. Ex Machina. And then they like did the bot or
1: not. That was the big thing. Are you bot or not?
0: Yeah. Like they had some weird ad weird. campaign. Yeah. Yeah. But that, was yeah like, I,
1: that's obviously European, like Russian kind of focused ad because it didn't make any sense.
0: Yeah. But it was the most like ghetto fabulous vodka because they made it seem fancy because it was Scandinavian. But like, oh, it's Svetka. It's Swedish. But it's like, Ooh. yeah, but it's also 20 bucks for a handle. So, you know. <laughs> that's it. Right. Yeah. But, then again, nah, but you, know who, you know who ruined Svetka, I think?
1: I think it was Tito. Dude, I Tito think- came out and like handcrafted. They haven't used that word until Tito. And now everybody uses it but that's where they start handcrafted vodka.
0: I don't know what it is, but it's handmade,
1: man. Tito
0: Tito killed like all vodka, like all cheap, cheap ish trying to be fancy vodka because it's tasty. It's not expensive. And it's, it's, dude, it's all vodka. Like, it's not like it's makes a huge difference. Which remember Absolute
1: get. had the market. It was like, Absolute, Absolute, Absolute. Is like, now it is like, you're absolutely under 21 to drink this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you remember like they have a, the ad campaign was like a different location. It was like <laughs> Absolute New York and Absolute Tokyo. It was cool marketing. I got to see them. their bottles are cool, like,
1: uh, they had that cool, better marketing than a better product.
0: Oh, for sure. You're like, oh, this is good vodka. And you, then you finally turn 21 and go to buy. You're like, oh, this is $16 for a handle. Like, I guess it's not that good. <laughs> Absolutely. But, <basically>, under 21. <laughs> let, let's be honest. If you have a tramp stamp, you definitely used to hang absolute ads in your dorm room. Oh, yeah. That's that same era of female there. Yep ladies or if you're if you're
1: listening to us and you're near a college campus and you're going to a party you look for the girl with the absolute poster you're in but i don't do
0: them anymore do they that was like from like back in like the early 2000s or if <laughs> you, you have your marlboro it's
1: like, jacket remember that <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> people were saving the oh the when people used to smoke these actually get and you just like Take somebody's like, I don't smoke, but I'm like, give me your points. I'll take them and you cash them in. And that was it. Everybody's like, I'm going to get a Jeep. I'm like, you know how many freaking (laughs) (laughs) cartons you got to turn in? Like, you're going to like, you know, the one guy guy's like, I'm here to pick up my Jeep. (laughs) I "I got my Jeep. Where's my Jeep? (laughs) I didn't even.
0: I've, I've spent eighty thousand dollars on cigarettes i could have just bought three jeeps
1: i got three jeeps
0: barbara points
1: it's so horrible to even laugh but you know what, what is it me off about those commer- no, i get beautiful. mad at those people because i see it they run those commercials at fucking dinner time I'm like i'm ready to eat spaghetti and i see the
0: i am here and and they fucking show it's horrible you know what, though, I'm not mad at myself for laughing at that because you know what, that guy chose lived his best life. He said, "Fuck Living this." Living my I'm, best life. I am That's gonna good. smoke. I don't care what those communists <laughs> or the Surgeon General say. I'm gonna smoke these goddamn. I'm gonna smoke these goddamn <laughs> cigarettes. I'm gonna save all my points, and I'm getting that cheap. <laughs> respect
1: but the best was it was all outdoor gear it's like i've seen these <laughs> fat motherfuckers smoking there's no way they're hiking up machu picchu but they got like fucking i'm trading into some marble like hiking boots i'm like you're not even gonna use those things marlboro and merrill synergy <laughs> oh my god and it was like kayaks and all this outdoor stuff I'm like this you're never good you can't even like huff and
0: puff to get that kayak going like what yeah was doing? there was there like a, a Marlboro like tracheotomy <laughs> microphone <laughs> or perhaps like one of those little jazzy scooters oh a jazzy that'd be great Marlboro jazzy hey <laughs> like, how you doing what about like a Marlboro oh, like prosthetic leg <laughs> god damn and with diabetes your whole oh. foot falls off oh <laughs> my Marlboro
1: shit. foot but it, but it was all outdoor gear it was like ropes like carabiners I'm like fishing you- rods right that's <laughs> You can fish while you're smoking. But you get a Marlboro carabiner, and you're like, am I really going to use this to climb and hope it holds my weight? No, absolutely not. On our way cool? to
0: the top of Mount Everest, he used <laughs> his last his last click of his Marlboro carabiner before ascending <laughs> to the top.
1: Before plummeting <laughs> to his death. <laughs> And all the way down, you hear. <laughs> I don't know. I think a robot. I just felt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think a robot fell to his death. It's just weird. <laughs> Is
1: that Hitchbot? Is that Hitchbot? Hitchbot? Fucking Hitchbot. No.
0: <laughs> oh, we mentioned Hitchbot in our interview, too. And Marlboro Hitchbot. Oh, my God. Did they have Marlboro skis? They had to.
1: I think they did. They but must have. They had a have. bike. They had a <laughs> badass Marlboro bike. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, help me a no. robot, robot just fell off of Everest <laughs> I don't know what happened.
0: oh my god uh, so anyway B- B- I think Kisoda. they still do this there's oh, no way they still do that
1: they're asking me to sign in really I don't, register. I don't want to register I want to see what gear you got <laughs> The Marlboro Luge. Oh, can you imagine that? Can you imagine winning a Tour de France on a Marlboro bike, smoking a cigarette as you cross the finish line? That was how, like, the
0: first... I'm sure the first Tour de France was won, right? Tour de Pharmacy was like that. Pharmacy? (laughs) Oh, if you haven't seen Tour de Pharmacy, it's not the best movie by any stretch. It's just funny. It is very funny.
1: (laughs) Oh, and it has the guy that's um, popular now. Um, the big dude, the wrestler, was. Uh, I could...
0: The communist, John Cena. Yeah. John Cena. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. He's like, I'm not taking steroids. It's like this gigantic <laughs> dude on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It's an HBO movie. So if you had ever seen Seven Days this? in Hell, Seven Days in Hell, it's Andy Sandberg and Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. They like, it's like a. It's kind of like a spoof of the, was it McEnroe and Borg, right? They had a documentary about the two of them and like their tennis series. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's hilarious, but it's like a, what, like a 40 minute movie or something. It's like a weird length of time, but it's a movie, but it's short. Oh, and yeah. Jon Snow's character is hilarious. <laughs> like he's like the dumbest person in the world, but he's British. And he says indubitably, so they think he's smart <laughs> Indubitably. Indubitably. So it's the Tour de Pharmacy is also an Andy Sandberg thing, but it has all these other people and it's just like it's just a ridiculous kind of like spoof of the Tour de France, which is called Tour de Pharmacy. Is there another one too? Like a a, a third one of those sports movies? Oh uh, they did the tennis, they did the um I'm trying to think if they did another one. Maybe there's not.
1: I don't know if that was Andy Sandberg that did it another one, but those two were we're gold.
0: Um, they're both HBO, right? Yeah. <clears throat> they're really funny. They're, again, if you got like 40 minutes you want to kill, it's It's <clears throat> definitely get a couple laughs out of it.
1: Oh, so I'm looking at the old advertising for the Marvel gear and it was like all this outdoor stuff, like girls wearing their gear outdoor, like everything was focused on like you doing stuff. Like you're going to smoke these and be a better, healthier
0: person dude um, i just typed in marlboro ski and they have these i don't know if this is a button the marlboro ski challenge What? what is that is that like you gotta like light one up and then like do like the slalom and like not knock your cigarette out while you're hitting the gates
1: wow well they have a marlboro ski club and that's like marlboro new jersey Vermont marble marble Vermont is Marble College. Oh, look at that. <clears throat> oh,
0: you could have Marble College. That's pretty cool. Right, look at that. I wonder if there's the. It was founded by the cigarette company. Here we go. Here's Chesterfields. There you got an ad with some lady skiing. Chesterfields. <laughs> uh the marble jackets
1: were great. So they had these outdoor jackets that were almost like ski shells, and uh, I actually knew people that. Warm skiing. Oh, look at this Marlboro (laughs) Big Compass Puffer Winter Ski Jacket. Is that a newer one or is that old? Oh, that's old one. This is on
0: Poshmark. People are selling this shit on Poshmark. Oh, dude. (laughs) This could be some good, like, uh, Gaper Day stuff. Yeah, look at that. Marlboro Adventure Team.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So they have a ski jacket. They have a puffer jacket. So they
0: had puffer jacket before puffer jacket was a thing. I guess so. They're trendsetters. Not Marlboro well. Leisurewear at the Rosignol Mercedes Ski Show in Aotehue. Whoa. Damn. The Marlboro Hot Dog Ski Show. Different time, man. Damn. Hogback Mountain. That was what's in Marlboro, Vermont. Here's another one. Oh, it's not Marlboro, but it's an old cigarette ad. If a slip-ups caught you cold, why be irritated? Light an old gold. Only <laughs> old gold's like a brand of cigarettes. So basically, if you fall on your ass eating, pop one of these cigarettes and you'll be good to go. Yeah. Don't worry
1: about that broken leg. Just pop a cigarette. You'll be fine.
0: <laughs> it's what quick. Brett Lancaster would do. That's right. Paramedics get there like, quick, put a cigarette in their mouth, light it. <laughs> Here we go, Winston. Flavor that goes with fun. Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. It's like pictures of people skiing and falling. Oh, dude, on eBay, there's a Marlboro Ski Challenge hat. Damn, that's a, nice, that's a beauty. Nice. Sounds a message. Let's go to Ski News. We have friends at this resort. Mario, you visited here. Was it two years ago? Two years two ago, right? years, I
1: think it was two long
0: years ago. Yeah, Ober Gatlinburg <clears throat> under new ownership. Boom! Local entrepreneur and former Sevier County Attorney Joe Barker has acquired Ober Gatlinburg and all its assets. So, like, it's just a dude. This isn't like J. Peak yeah. being bought by a giant multi-resort conglomerate company. This is just a guy. A dude including the aerial tramway and employee housing properties from longtime owners, the Anders family the property is held under a long-term lease from the city of Gatlinburg dating back to 1961. Hmm. That lease has been reassigned to Baker. Details are still forthcoming on whether other investors are involved in the acquisition. Current, Over Gatlinburg, President Kent Anders will stay on through March in a consulting role. Mark Adams, former president and CEO of the Gatlinburg Convention and Visitors Bureau, will serve as the new president of the resort. Anders told SAM the decision to sell was bittersweet, but the time was right. The Anders family opened the tramway in 1973 and has owned the ski area, which started as Gatlinburg Ski Resort in 1962, since 1975. Adams told the Mountain Press that he and Baker aim to expand over Gatlinburg's already extensive list of year-round offerings. Work started this week on a downhill mountain bike course at the resort. Other outdoor attractions like zip lines and an ATV course are being considered as well. Nice. Dude, that place is legit like
1: party fun time. So, if you go ski in there, it's great. It's a lot of fun. You get to tram in. Uh, in the winter, they do all sorts of crazy shit. They got animals around, like bears. Like they have like kind of like zooish kind of but rescue stuff going on. Um, and then downtown Gatlinburg, if anybody listening has been, it is a fun party time. It's like a little slice of Forty Second Street from Manhattan. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Really, it's like super built up in the middle of nowhere. So. <laughs> You go up and you, and you got all these restaurants, everything that's there, you know, is, is, they have like a Ripley's, believe it or not. They have Bubba Gump. Like I said, it's like, it's like you're walking down like New York City. Um, but then outside of that, it's all wilderness and cool cabins and mountains. It's beautiful, beautiful
0: area. And you got so, Dollywood not too far. Yeah, Pigeon Forge, love Dolly. It seems like this move is more about the, Year round part versus improving the ski part, yeah. But yeah, just as a stat here, Ober has 10 trails, one terrain park across 38 skiable acres with 600 feet of vertical, served by five lifts. So, a lot more going on there at Ober Gatlinburg. So, it'll be interesting to see if it stays on the Indy Pass yeah. after new ownership.
1: It's kind of a gem, like it it has a lot of potential to do more, but that tram goes about two two and a half miles. Wow, that's legit, like it's a legit tram, yeah, <clears throat> nice. well we'll see where it goes, speaking about passes Icon pass is expanding. they are expanding the global access for pass holders with the addition of Grand Valera Resorts, Dura and Sun Peaks Resort in BC for this coming winter. Grand Valera Resorts, Dura and Sun Peaks Resort in British Columbia. So they added them and they're on sale now. And five additional new partners announced, Chamonix, Mont Blanc Valley in France, which is huge. Sun Valley, Idaho, um, and Snow Basin in Utah uh, Lota Arial Resort in Japan and Panorama in British Columbia. Members of the Icon community now have access to more than 50 iconic mountain destinations in 11 countries. So those are pretty huge. So they added these, but they added the other ones
0: pretty recently. Well, the reason why I even added this <laughs> is I'm obsessed with Andorra. Even as like yeah. a kid in fifth grade, I remember... we had Is to that learn- Spain? No, it's its own country. It's its own country. It's like between Spain and
1: France or some shit exactly. like that. Exactly.
0: Right? Yeah. It's it's there and it's, it's its own country. And I remember I was in fifth grade. We had geography and we learned about the European countries. And I remember there's this little tiny country between, you know, in the mountains between Spain and, uh, Spain and France. And I've like been obsessed with it ever since. I was even looking at what... It that it, Lichtenstein, citizenship. right? Eh, Lichtenstein, that doesn't do anything for me. This is... This, If you had to look at a country and look at what percentage of your country is ski resorts, hmm. I think Andorra must have the highest... <laughs> highest percentage? Highest percentage of ski resortage to country.
1: How about skiable area? Because you could then argue the entire country is skiable, right?
0: Pretty much. Yeah, so it's, it's in the Pyrenees. I'm trying to get the actual... Because it looks like it's a couple of different resorts all together. And when you look at pictures of it, if you ever have skied in the Alps, you're so far above the tree line, you you have your trail and then you have basically all the other space where you can just go off piste. Like it's kind of like where they all come together. It is the largest, most modern skiable area in the Pyrenees and one of the largest in Europe with a total of 303 kilometers of slopes. Andorra is now on the map. Combining officially. the Andorran ski resorts Ordino, Arcali, Pal, Arensal, and Grand Valira has opened up a world of varied, fun-packed experiences—a chance to experience snow sports in Andorra to the full and enjoy the magnificent natural setting every day of the year, all with just one pass. So you have 303 miles, uh, 215 slopes in total, and 123 mechanical ski lifts with a single pass.
1: Damn.
0: Boom. Look at this. 17% of the GDP of the Principality of Andorra is from this ski resort. Boom. What other country has their ski resorts providing almost 20% of their GDP? Wow. What is up? Mm. I think when we're at the Boston show, we're going to find the icon Pass people and be like, Hey man, can you get us over to Andorra Cause we want to do a story. Like I believe I
1: included them in our reach out and we haven't heard, we've heard crickets so far. So
0: two weeks in andorra That's what we're looking for. That's it. Just two weeks. We'll even, we'll even figure out our own airfare.
1: My big bucket list for the next few year trip is going to be Japan. I got
0: to do. Oh, nice. All right, we got one final story here. Vail Mountain, Colorado starts snowmaking in preparation for earliest opening day ever. Boom. Look at that. So when are they going to open? Uh, well, Vail Mountain turned on its snow guns yesterday and joined several Colorado resorts in snowmaking. Copper, Keystone, Loveland, and A-Basin, and in quotes, Killington and Vermont have all started snowmaking in the last week or so. The resort strives for its earliest opening day this upcoming 2022-2023 winter season, slated for November 11th, Veterans Day. If mm-hmm. all goes to plan, it will beat last year's November 12th record by one day, one of the earliest opening days in decades. The resort wow. will rely on Mother Nature and upgrades to its state-of-the-art snowmaking system, which was installed in 2019, one of the most significant projects to take place on the mountain since the mid-80s when Vail installed its first detachable chairlifts. Snowmaking team at Vail is on a mission and confident they can make it happen. Each season since the new snowmaking system was installed, Vail's snowmaking team has gotten better at operating the guns and has learned more about the system's ins and outs regarding its efficiency. Specific placement of the guns will be crucial, and a lot of thought goes into where the snow cannons are positioned to maximize snow and work best. Both are essentially are essential in the longevity of the snow and the team's ability to reach their targeted opening day goal. Nice. Gunning for early. That's pretty sweet. Hopefully they'll make it happen. I wonder if they have if you can go on to DraftKings or you know, one of those sports books and bet on which Colorado resort opens first. That would be awesome. I'm sure you can. Yeah, that's kind of the way it should be done. I think so. The American way.
1: That's that's right.
0: <laughs> Smart money is on veil, right? Or not on veil. Blue horseshoes going long on veil. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you just want to make that call. And the person on the other lines, are be like, what are you talking about? Who is this? <laughs> Sorry, this is a Wendy's, <laughs> 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 but you just look cool. And you're just like, yeah, I'm out.
0: Got to do it. That's right. Ski
1: bum out, <laughs> out.
0: <laughs> well, that wraps up the ski news for the week. And now we are on to our main topic, and we had a really interesting conversation with our new friend, Andrew Steven. He is the host of the podcast, the Trailweight podcast, which is about hiking outdoors and lessons learned along the way. Andrew's got a pretty interesting story that we got into as to how and why he started his podcast and kind of the reason why... His people reached out to us was because in this upcoming season, which is debuting when this podcast comes out on October 17th, he was hiking in the Sierra Nevadas and started to learn about that proposed resort that Walt Disney was trying to open in the 60s and went into it on one of his episodes of his upcoming season. That was kind of how it was pitched to us. We started, you know, that was the the initial thoughts talk about it. But we took the podcast in a totally different direction. Very different direction. I think direction. turned out to be really cool. We had a really good conversation. A lot of interesting questions were asked. We had some cool ideas and thoughts. So we think you're going to really enjoy this. So this is a conversation with our friend, Andrew Steven, from the Trailweight Podcast. Check it out. We have another very special guest this week. He is the host of the Trailweight Podcast. He is an amateur explorer, expert coffee drinker, and podcast maker, Mr. Andrew Steven. Andrew, welcome.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome. welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolute pleasure. So, Trailweight Podcast. uh, You guys do it season, right? So you guys had your first season last year.
2: Yeah, or was it I don't know, the pandemic is still messing up everyone's <laughs> calendar. Uh it was twenty twenty-one, twenty I don't know. Yeah. It was about a year ago. Okay.
0: But you guys do a season. You guys yeah, do a, well, we, episodically, we, right?
2: We did one season without knowing if we'd do a second and And, uh, it was a very personal story. So it, it was like, uh, you know, it almost felt more like writing a a book for, for lack of a better term or making a documentary. Um, but sort of this, this other opportunity came to do a second season and who knows, maybe we'll do a third or maybe this will be the last.
1: It's like they do now the limited, uh, the limited series, right? Yeah. Well, it's like, I, I'm a big podcast
2: listener. And so like, I love just, you know, sort of being the fly on the wall to a lot of conversations, but, uh, yeah, the first season of trail weight and the second season are much more like there's a a story that we're trying to tell. So it's, uh, we don't get as much as the, uh, much as much of the community as we're having here today.
0: So how did you, how did trail weight come to be?
2: Yeah. So the first season very much was, like I said, it's a personal story. I had, uh, you know, I had grown up camping, hiking, doing sort of outdoor activities. And then as many of us do in our teens, I guess we sort of rebel against the things that we know and try to find ourselves and, and sort of found myself back, uh, getting outdoors in my, you know, young adulthood. But, um, was really sort of limited by some physical issues, just like a lack of overall health. And uh, (laughs) I decided to um, say I was going to hike the John Muir Trail and gave myself a year to sort of get in shape, lose weight, you know, uh, try backpacking. I had never even done that before. Um, It was, you know, and uh, so the, the podcast chronicled my journey to get, you know, physically fit enough to do this month long, you know, 200 plus mile hike and then also tell the stories that I learned sort of on the trail, the people I met and the bigger questions. Um, And then that leads right into the new season where it's sort of like a, uh, you know, an emotional sequel, if you will. You know, I'm not on the JMT again, but it's sort of where that left off in a lot of my experience. You know, I, I walked away with as many questions as I had experiences.
0: How did you find like, how did you find it within you to go through that journey? Because it's, you know, humans were very momentum based. So whatever we do, we keep doing. And to make that pivot. Like that is that's not something everybody can do so how did you how did you find that in yourself to make that happen? yeah
2: no there's uh I'm not great at it <laughs> first of all. <laughs> it's very interesting you know you do these interviews and like everyone wants to know like you know I ended up losing about a hundred pounds, and so like people wow. want to know congratulations wow, that's uh, a lot dude. here's the uh here's the five steps you know what are the how can you do it and and all this sort of stuff and while, I have thoughts and advice on that, I also recognize that everyone's different um but i would say the two sort of motivating forces were um you know uh, as a podcast maker as someone who works in media and entertainment like for better or for worse i sort of chronicle a lot of things i'm constantly recording voice memos or taking pictures and videos and like oh this could be a cool idea taking notes writing stuff down and in that doing you know like i was an early adopter of fitbit and sort of tracking all this sort of stuff. And so what I found for me, something that helpful was like having things that I could measure that could also show very, that could show progress. So like a lot With of people
0: gamification talk. Yeah. Aspect, but it's right? even
2: like a lot of people talk about like how, like stepping on a scale, for example, every day might be, you know, uh, might be the opposite of motivating because if it's not making enough, Forward momentum or making enough change, it can sort of deter you you, a bit, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. But so it's like, so like the thing I found very helpful for me was just looking at things like steps and miles. And it's like, could I take 10 more steps, 100 more steps? Could I walk one more mile today? Could I start jogging? Could I move faster? Could I jog a half a mile more every week? Could I, you know, and just, finding, finding whatever metric it is for you that can sort of be, you know, sort of that you can see the progress in. Cause when you see success, I feel like you're much more likely to continue on. And then the second thing I did was again, sort of as this storyteller, podcaster, creative person, really sort of looking at my life as like a story, as a book or a movie and just sort of, am I living the life that I would want to see a film version of and sort of for better or for worse, trying to make decisions based on would this make a good scene in a movie? And if it didn't, maybe uh, maybe changing, changing how I approached it. I had I had a friend who says when he goes out hiking, you know, sometimes you you have to throw your boots over the river to motivate yourself to cross it. And so it's kind of if I want my boots back, I got to I got to cross this river. So it's kind of tricking myself in that way.
1: I guess understanding too, you know, it is one step at a time, right? So setting totally. small goals that keep you motivated towards that, that end goal, you know, you never, it's like they talk about, you know, you hear the common saying, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bed at a time? Right? Yeah. yeah. Like you just <laughs> It's one little piece and one little piece and you just keep going totally. and going until you're done. So, it
2: has its downsides too, because once, once you accomplish the goal or say you know, like, like, so I did the JMT, but it didn't go exactly as according to plan. I don't want to give away too many spoilers if you want to listen <laughs> to the first season.
0: And how can people do that?
2: Uh, you can go to trailweight.co or on any of the podcast places. You can just search for Trailweight. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where when it doesn't go according to plan, it can also be very discouraging. And it kind of can have the opposite effect, too. So it's like really trying to find that balance of having these big ambitions ambitious goals but not letting that define sort of who you are or what what it means to be successful
0: go back to what you're saying too like you know you want to be the hero in your own life sure this is your story like oh, i went to work every day at a job i hated i kept doing it because well that's what my parents told me to do and it's like to snap yourself out of that you know and and it's it's hard it's very hard it's really hard
2: this is a weird metaphor that i just thought of especially because this is like a ski podcast and we're talking about outdoor adventures and stuff like that. But I remember I grew up very like sort of conservative traditional values and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm not married, but you know, you hear people talking about divorce and uh, I forget where it was, but someone the other day was talking about like, Divorce doesn't necessarily mean it was the failure of a marriage. Sometimes a divorce is a success story because it's like, it's what
1: needed to happen in this relationship. Um, How many people do we know that are married for, I was talking to somebody about this just yesterday. You see people married 30 years and they're miserable. It's like, yeah. you know, what would be the next step of your marriage is to get divorced. Yeah. Sometimes like together, you can be, you there know?
2: can be health There can, sure. There can be unhealthy th- div- uh, relationships and divorce and unhealthy divorces. I'm not trying to say get yeah. divorced or stay together. I'm, right. I'm not a relationship expert, but it's just, it's that subtle shift of going, you know, like sometimes. Things not going according to plan isn't a failure. Sometimes that is a success. And sorry for that weird ditch. Oh, no, that's Heritage. quite
0: right. Actually, after this whole pandemic, I uh, I went back to my office a couple months ago and I saw a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in two and a half years. And I'm like, oh, how's it going? He's like, oh, pretty good. You know, I got divorced over the pandemic, the lockdown. <laughs> I'm like, sorry or congratulations. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, or oh, both. congratulations for or sure. both.
2: Like, things can be two things or multiple things
1: as well. Things are not you get locked up in the same place with the same person. You realize whether or not you're, you're going to make it for the long haul. That's for sure. Yeah. Well,
0: that that's was a very it, good test. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> that's also one of the great things about like getting outdoors and doing things. You know, like, I'm not, I'm more of a hiker than I am a skier, but I have skied. And um, I think a similarity between the two things that is sort of helps us navigate through life is like the constant changing of the terrain. It's something where you're, it forces you to sort of be hyper present, hyper in the moment and sort of like recognizing all the little micro adjustments your body's doing to stay balanced, to stay upright, to not trip on a rock or whatever. It's like and that's, you're shutting
1: off from all the other crap, right? Exactly. Like, there's no media. There's no, no phone ringing. There's no, like, yeah. Even if you wanted to be a,
2: in, in those you can't always, you know, sometimes yeah. quite literally there's no service on the mountain. And then also like, if you are focusing on those other thing, that's when, that's when you can trip up and fall over.
0: It's a very good metaphor for life, adapt and evolve. Hiking, skiing, you have to be able to adapt and evolve. Otherwise you will fail.
2: Yeah. And not to sound too pluggy, but that's even why we call the show trail weight, because there was a very literal weight that I was carrying that I was trying to to lose. Um, But it was also, there's all this emotional weight, you know, there was personal things going on uh, that were unplanned and unexpected. Uh, And then also the weight of what it means to be like a responsible outdoors person and the very act of, skiing or walking these long distances there's a there's an obvious effect it have a, has on nature like the fact that there's a trail here where maybe there wasn't before and so what does it mean to sort of like am i am i destroying quote-unquote nature by walking across it um and i don't have the answer to that question but it's just these are interesting things and so much of getting outside and recreating the more i do it the more i find metaphors for everyday life well, the
1: good things you get to think about because you're out in wilderness thinking about just that. Yeah. You're not distracted, right? And, totally. and I think you know. Let me ask you. You know, as you went through this journey, did you realize you started thinking about how you got where you were? Totally. The there's a,
2: yeah. You know, one of the things is uh, you're kind of forced to think because there's nothing else to do. Um, <laughs> Uh, you can only listen to so many podcasts or or albums on your phone and headphones before you just you know start going mad.
0: And you want to be alert for mountain lions, totally bears, and bears, and
2: yeah, and, and rocks bears. and everything we said. Battlestar Galactica so, yeah. and bears.
0: <laughs> yeah, and <it's,
2: laughs> what I find interesting too is that it almost creates this monk like routine in in doing like long distance through hiking, where it's literally I know what every day is going to have in store for me. Obviously the specifics will change, but it's pretty simple. It's wake up, eat, walk, eat, walk, eat, sleep. And that's every day. And so that really does free you up to think about things, some things you don't want to think about and some things, you know, it It works some stuff out while while you're hiking. Right. I mean, that's why that you see all these studies about, you know, people with PTSD or whatever, who are like going outside doing rafting trips or hiking, you know, the Appalachian trail or these other long distance things. Um, you know, it's, 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 it allows you the time to sort of work through some of this stuff.
0: And why do you think that is? Why do you think that nature has that ability to kind well, of help people kind of almost not, not reset, but kind of recalibrate?
2: Um, well, I talked with a, a, a person who researched this. Her name's Florence Williams in the first season of the podcast. And uh, there are some very like practical scientific reasons why the color green is like, You know, pleasing to the eye, just getting out into being able to breathe, fresh air, sunbathing, all this sort of stuff. There's like little nuggets of all these little truths. Again, like I said, like it forces you into the present moment because you're trying to be aware of everything, all those little micro micro adjustments. I think also for many of us, you know, where we live, you know, our modern lives for most of us, probably I'm assuming listening to this podcast, you know, we uh, we have day jobs. We live in cities or, or suburbs. And again, not trying to make a judgment where one thing is right or one thing is wrong, but it's just it's just a change and it's a difference. And so there's a novelty aspect of it. There's a scientific aspect of it. And then I think just getting physical, like moving around your body, we know that helps us endorphins and stuff like that. And so it's super important. Even here, like I live in Los Angeles, you know, in the middle of the city, but you know, one of my favorite things, like I'm, I'm a big city apologist, even though I love the <laughs> getting away too. Like I, 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 I'm very lucky that I get to like go away for extended periods of time. I was just in Alaska a couple months ago oh, and nice. then I get to be, I get to be, you know, here in the heart of everything, but I love getting outside and walking around my city. It's amazing how that has an effect on, on your day.
0: Yeah, it yeah. gives you a different appreciation when you can go from the extremes of, you know, one of the biggest cities in the world to mm-hmm. Alaska, one of the most, you know, least populous. Yeah, like
2: when places. I was in the Yukon, which is just like, I know we're going off on all these tangents, which is great, but it's just like, you know, going hours without even seeing another car. And it's realizing of most... you're truly in the middle <laughs> of nowhere and alone. I right? know, I know. In yeah, I'm I'm in the middle of nowhere and alone on like the main highway. Like, yeah. it's just very, it's a kind of a mind trick.
1: It makes you feel vulnerable, but it also makes you feel strong after, right? You're like, Completely. hey, you know, it wasn't that bad. You know, you lived yeah. through it, that kind well, of that, thing.
0: Isn't that funny too, though? So comparing Los Angeles to Alaska, in Alaska, on the Yukon Highway, you don't see anybody. You mm-hmm. see a person, you're so happy You yeah. see a person. You don't care who they are. You're waving. You're saying hi. Exactly. If you're in Los Angeles, you walk out your door, you see a thousand people at once. You're like, oh. Yeah. So crowded. People. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just funny that the perspective, how it just drastically can change based on your location.
2: And that's one of the things I appreciate about like all these different experiences. The, I feel like the more opportunities we're given to have different perspectives, the better we are. Like if you look at that's the difference between 2D and 3D art. The reason the 3D thing looks more realistic is because it has three perspectives instead of two perspectives. And so the more perspectives we can get, the I feel like the more complete picture we get to see.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, not to make it like political, but I think our, our our country right now in the U.S., we're so, the media is so focused on what makes us different and what's tearing us apart instead of the 99% of things that probably we care about together and overlap. And if we could focus more on that, I think we would have way less problems, way less division. uh, Because we're all human beings. We're all need the same sort of materials to live and to thrive and to be happy. But the, the yanking the, the keeping us divided for whatever reason, again I don't want to get into it, I don't know the answers, but <laughs> yeah. there's so much that that brings us together, and we don't focus on that nearly enough yeah,
2: yeah, no, it's very when you're on the trail and you need help, you don't care who's helping you, or if you see someone who needs help, you don't care what they believe. And there is a very human. Just hoping
1: number one, they don't kill you. And number two, they're, they're appreciative. That's it. Right.
2: But yeah, totally. And I think like, even, I mean, that's a whole tangent that you could go down to. It's like, I feel like most of the people you meet on the trail, on the mountain, like you hear the stories of like the weird person who goes out there. Yes. Those people exist and people's stories are real and I don't want to minimize any of that, but it's just like, it's been my experience that that's way Less common, way, way, less common than movies want, want to see. Yeah. And I get
1: it. It's a better story. I hear I am trying movie. to live.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to live my life in
1: the same way. I'm just choosing to be not that character. And I just saw the Jeffrey Dom. I just finished the Jeffrey Dahmer series oh. and now I'm jaded. I can't look at anybody. <laughs>
0: I am eight episodes in and I watch everything that father oh. does Dahmer's father. And I see my son and I do the exact opposite. Like every, <laughs> like he woke me up early this morning. I did not care. I hugged him. I talked to him. I'm like, whatever Dahmer's father did, I'm doing the opposite.
1: You mean to uh, find roadkill and, and dissect it with him?
0: Uh, well, it is only Friday. So that could be a weekend activity. I don't know. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. We definitely, the sensationalization of, of, the things that could happen. Hopefully people are are wise enough to to see it as that. But there's, you know, obviously there's some people who I'm not going to go hiking. Look what could happen. I have family members who are kind of like that. They're like I can't live over there. There's not enough people around. I might get murdered. Really? But every time I hear that, I'm like, good. Don't flood
1: to those areas. Those are where I can get some nice peace and quiet.
0: Stay in your condo <laughs> in Connecticut. Yeah, there are yeah. bad That's people
1: everywhere and there are good people everywhere. Exactly.
0: What do you Hopefully want to focus The good on? people
1: outweigh the bad. And yeah. if you're a good person, you can contribute to the good, right? Mm-hmm.
0: So getting this back online. Get this back in uh <laughs> straighten out. So sorry, uh, I th- I think in no, weird
2: tangents and stuff. So oh, I we do in advance for a <laughs> I'm
0: this. not, no, I love it. But um you edit
2: this and make me sound smart, right?
0: <laughs> I can't make ourselves sound smart. So, you know, <laughs> you sound doomed. amazing right now. We're just doomed. <laughs> um, so John Muir Trail. Yeah. So it is. 213 miles long yeah two thirteen point seven. how long did this journey take you
2: so we did it in 26 or 28 days my girlfriend and i and that's also it was i mean if we're getting technical so it was a little (laughs) bit longer because no matter where you do it one of the terminus one of the ends of the trail is on top of mount whitney so it doesn't factor in getting back down from mount whitney and where we started we started a couple days uh you know, south of Mount Whitney, and then you also we also exited, you know, to do some resupplies and stuff like that. So, if you if I want to get my full accolades, it was over it was over 213 miles or whatever. But yeah, it took us about just just under a month. I mean, some people do it in three weeks. I mean, I think the FKT is like three days or something. But that's wow. just I'm three not three days. Yeah, like that's like walking like 60 or 80 miles a day or something like that.
1: Whoa. I'm looking at the regulation, it says you're not allowed to even carry bear spray. What's that about?
2: Yeah, you don't need to. I mean, most it's you only need tame. bear spray for grizzlies. And uh even in in many cases, from what I understand, a bear spray is good to have, but it's not as much of a kinda fail safe as we like to
0: kind of yeah, get mad, right? <laughs> and it can also
2: get in your like you have to be really close to them and stuff too. So it's like it's like a last case resort from again i'm not an expert in like survivalism so don't, so don't, if don't want to get out,
1: the meat flavored
2: one but yeah they're oh. not they're not they're not grizzly bears in this so
0: funny story california's flag has a grizzly bear yes because
2: we used to have it but we used hunted to, them to death
0: and there is a town somewhere oh, I forget, something with a g perhaps it is named after the last man to be killed by a grizzly in california oh
2: wow, oh, wow. You got mountain lions up there though, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, so I did, uh, in 2021, I did the high Sierra trail and, uh, we got, we saw some mountain lion prints on one section and it's like, they say they're everywhere, right? Yeah. I mean, those are what you really need to be afraid of. And the good thing with, with all these stuff is all these animals, they don't, if, if they know you're there, they don't want to be around. It's just it's the the surprise of accidents. Yeah, I don't want to play. Like uh, Dave, for this new season, you know, I interviewed sort of climate and wildlife expert, and she studies bears. And a big a big part of her study was learning that bears will pretty much do everything they can to avoid humans. And for better or for worse, not trying to even make judgment on it, but you, we can see how their populations and where they live and and migrate to and stuff like that has dramatically changed based on where human populations are. I stay away from humans. I get it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, I guess the only when it, things really get dicey is when they have cubs. Yes. Yes. They
2: when they, or if you surprise them, that's why you have things like bear bells and stuff where you talk like the whole idea is same with mountain lions. Like, if you see a mountain lion, that's when you're in trouble because you'll probably never <laughs> see them because that's when, because they're going to want to stay out of your way.
1: What do they, they call heads up or or something? Yeah, they like might be head tracking
2: head. you. They might be tracking you and you don't see them. But if you see them or if like you, if you come, you know, downwind or upwind or whatever of a bear and you don't see and you're by water or something and there's loud noises, like that's, that's when all these, most of these, you know, horrible stories occur.
1: That's it. They call them the ghost cat.
2: They say they move yeah. So quiet and so unseen. Yeah. I mean, we have them here in Los Angeles. You know, I'm not too far from Griffith Park, you know, and, and the mountains around here. And there's, you know, we have them out here. Um, wow. You go out for a jog and you better, you yeah. <laughs> better get your cardio going.
0: It's good motivation. To start moving, <laughs> That's right? A, I, know, I know. Speed work. <laughs> so what was the time period when you did the, uh, the trail?
2: So we did the trail in 2019. And then, yeah, the podcast came out in 2020. So, like, it was basically August of 2018 to August of 2019 was the year I spent sort of training. And then the month of August is when we did the JMT. So, what did you
1: you do for training to prepare? So, like, you were, you know, obviously you were in not as great a shape, right? So, you kind of did some training to prepare yourself. And I know it was a concern. So, it was smart to do. But, like, what did you actually do? I mean, walked everywhere. Uh, yeah. lucky enough
2: for my work. And then again, like this is one of the things I love about living in a city is you can walk everywhere. If I had time between meetings or whatever, um, I would walk instead of drive. That's that was awesome. a huge part of it. And then I started jogging, you know, I got up to to running 10 miles right, right. before. I mean, I'm I I as soon as I did the hike, I stopped jogging. <laughs> <laughs> I like I said, I'm near Griffith Park. I mean, still to this day, I I go to Griffith Park at least once a week and do a hike there you know very very you know i'm a I love city parks and I love this one specifically because there is some decent steep grades and stuff like that but then we're also less than an hour or an hour away from the Angeles National Forest with you know tons of even high elevation hiking you know and wow. very very spoiled to be living in Southern California where we can get out so I hiked a ton I walked a ton did a couple of i mean honestly not too many i think I think a total of maybe three or four nights backpacking before actually getting out. And mostly that was just to like test out the gear that we had gotten. And
1: See, that's smart too, right? You're not going yeah. out on the trail on this, you know, multi-day hike and saying, yeah, it's the first time I ever had this backpack, you know, <laughs> exactly. first time exactly. with these shoes on. Like, with well, That's a
0: big thing, shoes and gear to make sure you actually know how to operate yeah. your gear. That's like, you know, we talk about in skiing a lot, you know, if you go in the back country, like having your, your beacon and your shovel and your probe, yeah. it's great to mm-hmm. have it. But if you don't know how to properly exactly. use it, it's just like not having it at all. You break yeah, and it I can't camp-
1: package on your hike, and you're like, yeah. it doesn't work. Like, I, I can't return it now. Totally.
0: And and, <laughs> I, had no and hiked,
1: I had
2: camped and hiked a ton previously, so like there was a lot of stuff too. Or it's just like I had done this, I just had never, you know, carried all my stuff with me on my back.
1: Yeah. No sherpa. But, no. no discussion of a sherpa. <laughs> <laughs>
2: they do <laughs> do some. Uh, you can do some. You know, mule. Services and stuff like that, but not uh, for us.
1: You need like a Tesla robot to a hiking <laughs> robot. <laughs> As saying, I've
2: I've thought about doing the Machu Picchu trail, the Inca trail, and uh, you know they have guide services and and local people who will carry all your stuff and cook for you. And they said Americans are the the by far the group of people that always want to carry their own gear. Oh, yeah. really? So they really? feel like they have to prove something and like I like that everyone I else, like that. even even the local people are like this no, like this is these people's job. They're better at it than you. Like <laughs> there's nothing for a walk. I'm not carrying stuff. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with having someone carry your stuff for you. you don't need to like prove your you know, your your worth here. We're like just come and do it. You're here. We accept you. So I was funny, definitely
0: it, but... expecting the opposite answer from that. I thought it was gonna be and like, maybe Lally. it's all... And <laughs> that's Americans honest... like to
1: be carried. That's what I was expecting <laughs> to hear, right? <laughs> Who knows? Can you so carry again, me too? <laughs> I haven't done the
2: research on that, so I could be completely wrong. So Possibly season three. Yes, there you go. Right? Yeah, no, actually, for, I'm thinking about... So we wanted to go to do the uh, Camino de Santiago in Spain. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's... Uh, it's a walk basically across the country of Spain that was it was originally like a religious uh Catholic a pilgrimage thing. Pilgrimage thing. But so the pandemic kind of threw a lot of yeah, it's hard to travel, hard to do. Cause it's like so much of that is like it's like staying in hostels every night. And so there's a lot of like oh, wow. communal living and stuff like that. And so how long knows, does maybe- that take? That's a, well, I mean, again, it's like, it's 30 to 40 days is, I think is typical. There's, that's an interesting thing too. And it's, 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 um, you know, to me, I mean, if I'm forcing a tie in, it's a little bit more like skiing because it's not necessarily just like one straight path. It's like a network of trails that you can sort of do, you know, uh, you can take different routes if you want to, or you can do this, this sort and it was basically, it's like people from all over Europe would walk to this one church the way of saint james uh that's it in english community santiago and so hmm. but it's it's like that one it leads itself to like a lot of like we were talking earlier it's sort of the self reflection like that's a big reason people go on that is like oftentimes they literally tie into trailway, are carrying something with them that they want to then like sort of leave at the cross or whatever um and symbolically kind of
1: like breaking bad when they're like crawling to the thing right day
0: dead right <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is listed
1: as a world heritage, uh, list. It's on the, the routes in Spain were inscribed on the world heritage list.
0: There are many routes.
2: Yes. And they starting in different cities too. Right.
0: Oh, wow. So, Oh, that is pretty pretty awesome.
2: Yeah. There's a, there's a movie with, uh, 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 Estevez and, um, who's it? What's his Martin Sheen, his dad, um, where that's, they, uh, about it too, where the Emilio Estevez is doing it and passes away. And so then Martin Sheen goes out to sort of pick up the ashes oh, wow. and sort of finish the hike. And it's a, it's a fine movie. Like I enjoy it. It's not like, I don't think it won any awards, but it does a good sort of overview <laughs> the One of the award type of heart That's all it matters. There you go.
1: If it touches one person, it's worth it.
0: It helped inspire you to at least know about what this is and exactly. contemplate doing it. Right.
1: Yeah, Yeah. yeah that seems pretty cool.
2: Yeah. And so, and like I mentioned too, there's so many amazing stuff and, and, you know, I try to explore and get out as much as I can. Um, but so much of my exploration has been limited to, you know, sort of the California area. And that's, you know, where I discovered the, the sort of impetus for season two of trail weight, which is all about this area in the, in Sequoia national park in the year, it's called mineral King. And, um, it, there's, you know, I, I was there sort of on a whim one day and and not on a whim. I was camping and we, uh, we decided to go to Mineral King on a whim. And while there, I uh, saw this little like plaque. It wasn't even a plaque. It was like something between like a laminated <laughs> printed uh, printout and like a plaque talking about how uh, Walt Disney almost built a ski resort in this valley. Yeah. And I was like, what on earth? Like I'm i I'm a fan. I have a Disneyland pass. I live in Southern California. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. How do I not know about this? You know, and that that really sort of was the mystery that inspired season two of Trailweight.
0: So the whole is the whole season based on uh the Sierras then or
2: it's a little bit. I mean, like I said, so it's kind of like the emotional sequel. So where when I one of the things that came up in season one was this concept of like the The weight of being a responsible outdoors person and what that means. And so talking about climate change and wildfires and the way we recreate outside, the way we view the concept of what is wild, is that an artificial term that we sort of created um, or is that an actual thing? And so I had all these questions and just sort of kept interviewing people and talking to people. And in so doing is when I sort of discovered this Walt Disney story and it sort of it's very interesting because it was stuck in development hell for for, you know, many, many, many years and went through different it was like I think I think this is the way that like to, to sort of uh, frame it that made it so interesting it was like when it first was an idea, the Sierra Club supported it. And then by the time it uh, I mean, it's not there anymore. And a big reason is that is over the years. It sort of lost favor from the environmental groups and sort of just like, how does something go from hailed as the answer to the enemy, so to speak? And then it inspired this landmark Supreme Court case that dramatically changed sort of how we view environmental law in the U.S. And and so it's... Uh, you know, this one's much less my story, although it is, it, you know, I do go out there, you know, and I go to these places where there's been these wildfires and show like how humans are shaping the way and then really starting to ask the questions like a lot of what we've been talking here of just sort of what is, you know, I guess if there's one phrase, it's sort of like, are we loving these places to death?
0: Mm. And yeah. I guess that the whole story too, capitalist growth mentality of a Disney. Yeah. versus the, you know, keep things natural as they were and where and, is the right mix?
2: And yeah, and what does it mean to keep something natural as it is?
1: Right. Yeah,
0: poison ivy, like is that, <laughs> exactly like, is poison ivy that While, important?
1: While it's nature? natural, you want to, people want to see it. So like if you're managing something exactly. like Yellowstone, I've seen where they're, they have to worry about people trampling on the wildlife and, and on the flowers and the plants and ruining the stuff. People taking selfies with a bison.
0: Like, yeah. yeah. What are you doing?
2: Totally. But then you also want people to experience it. I think another analogy is like zoos. There's been a lot of conversations about zoos. And I heard a, a, a zoologist. No, it wasn't a zoologist. It was someone who studied elephants in Africa. Talk about the comparison of even like some of these huge elephant enclosures at zoos. It basically be being like stuck in an apartment your entire life. And we would say that's cruel for a human. But at the same time, as a kid, this scientist biologist going out to these zoos inspired him to do his work and speak for the the elephants and stuff like that. So it's like this weird, again, I don't know the answers. And that's part of this is part of me trying to figure out what it means. And I think hopefully we're all sort of asking these questions and learning and growing because we do, we do love getting out. Like both of you love skiing. Otherwise you wouldn't have a podcast about it. I love hiking. (laughs) Otherwise I wouldn't have a, about it, and I want to hike more, and you want to ski more, and we probably both want hmm. more people to to fall in love with it, but we also don't want too many people to fall in love with it because then it's going to get too crowded but then yeah. also who who gets to determine who gets to do it and who doesn't get to do it, and why do I get to do it and not someone else and and uh both skiing and and backpacking are very expensive hobbies because of the amount of gear that's involved and the travel that takes to get there, and so like why do people who maybe are less fortunate not have the same privilege to do these activities as I do and and it, this whole disney story i think really encapsulate encapsulates a lot of these same sort of questions mm-hmm. like we were talking about like pres- preserving nature like for disney he didn't want any cars up in the resort which is like oh that's really cool like yeah. we're seeing that now like you mentioned you know like uh, yosemite and zion and all these places that have shuttle services but in order to do that He wanted to build a railroad station and expand a road leading up (laughs) to the railroad station, which, again, would be a magical experience. Like I'd sign up for that. But also that also is changing the environment. And maybe it's a net positive. Maybe it's a negative. Or like we said earlier, maybe it can be multiple things at the same time.
1: Well, we talked about uh, a few weeks ago, Brian and I were talking about how resorts are trying to go carbon Carbon neutral. neutral. Right? Yeah. So they do all these things, but then to get over the hump, they buy these uh credits, right? Sustainability mm-hmm. credits, yeah, carbon credits, and it's kind of like cheating the system if you think about totally. it. Totally. Like, so I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to pay somebody else to do something and say, "Well, because I funded it, I'm going to take the credit for that." Well,
0: yeah. And I'm it's wealthy not... enough to do exactly. That. And You're somehow I got your wealthy money enough for right. Well, and even I'm, and I'm attaching some sort of uh exchange rate to the activity and I'm paying for that activity.
2: Yes. And so many companies, so many companies have talked about being carbon neutral or whatever. And if you look at a lot of the ways they're saying they're going to do it is by doing tree planting and stuff like that, which is similar to the carbon credits. I forget who it was. Someone did a study and they basically, they took all the fortune 500 companies or whoever, the big companies that said they were going to, you know, be carbon neutral by 2035, by 2050. And, Counted all of them that said that they were going to do it through planting trees and found that there's not enough space on Earth to plant as many trees as needed.
1: So if
2: that's part of the plan, <laughs> <Mars>. if that's <laughs> part of the plan to do it, obviously that system isn't going to do it.
0: Yeah. And Um, I think, I think one of the things I want to go back to is the comment you made about asking the question, obviously something's having with the happening with the climate, but I think again, people are polarizing themselves in terms of, well, we're humans are destroying the planet to humans aren't doing anything wrong to the planet. Yeah. And to just to get on a team and to dig your heels in the ground and to go, I have all the answers when most people are not experts in those fields, which to me is the most hilarious thing. And why not ask the questions? Where is totally. the negative? Where is the downside? And that
2: can be a that can be a cop out too. Like I recognize it me saying I just want to ask the questions. Can I can wash my hands of any personal responsibility?
0: But uh, yes and no. I think totally. asking the it's, questions it's, it's is a, a huge responsibility.
2: It's, it's, it's yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Because you want to like,
0: grow and evolve and get a better steelman argument versus yeah. having just a regular. I saw a headline. This is what I believe. That's just it is what it is.
2: Well, yeah. There's like again, this is oversimplified, but there's that saying where it's just like if you don't change your mind on one big thing a year then you're not experiencing enough you're not learning enough you're not not... thinking exactly i want to be open and a big part of this for me is really like i said it's asking those questions looking what i can do personally and then trying to understand what is the weight of the responsibility recreating to a point of of um like there's going to be changes the forests all around me are on fire if that means that it's there doesn't need to be an all or nothing, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm. It doesn't mean like you could never go
1: camping again, but, but maybe see it's things not, like that, like the fires and, and you have to start thinking we can't keep doing things the same way. Exactly. Right? Like, so maybe yes, like, like maybe I don't discuss. Yes. Like I have
2: a goal change. Sorry to over talk, but like I have like, I want to visit every single national park. Like I have a map behind me with pushpins and where I've been, but also, there's amazing parks, you know, within a few hours of where I live. amazing nature's places like maybe the cost quote unquote of driving, traveling, flying to all these different places isn't worth what I gain from visiting I look like, Maybe that's just an ego checkbox that I want to you know fill out some scorecard. And when I can appreciate so many great and wonderful things right where I am. And so it's like, those are the type of questions that I want to ask. Like, where, how can I translate these bigger questions into actual personal actions?
1: And we've had that recent discussion too in the last few years with this whole Indie Pass and the whole Indie concept of like little ski resorts, right? So it's the mm-hmm. same idea where you drive past these little resorts that yeah. you grew up skiing and yeah, loving, where you learned and. Yeah, that you can enjoy. And you go to these big resorts and all the, you know, the flight, the car, like all the stuff that you do to get there, you think about the environmental impact even of that, yet you're saying, oh, I'm environmentally friendly and all this other stuff. And it's like, you, you got to look at your consumption of what you're what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Um,
0: they just knocked down all these trees. They just knocked down all this to put yeah. up this massive, massive hotel and lodge for you. And you flew your private jet into Vale to go there. And yeah. It's like, and you want to brag about your ESG score at your company? Like that well, yeah. stuff, It's like it's a, it's a huge <laughs> hypocrisy, and a lot of people don't want to talk about that.
2: Yeah, yeah, and even taking it back to Disney, he had all these ideas for the ski resort. You know, he was an early investor in Sugar Bowl in California and saw stuff. But the first, um, you know, ski lift in in, in California was it or America, I think it's California, but, um,
0: The first one in know, America was actually in Vermont.
2: That's yeah. Yeah. So he was, uh, so he had all these ideas and was, you know, he was able to get involved with the Tahoe winter Olympics in no, 69, 60, remember. 60. Yeah. And this is a fascinating story that I learned. You know, I talked with a, a person who's working on their, their doctorate in snowmaking and how that's sort of, it's a very specific yeah. thing, but it was a fascinating thing. But basically, they were worried there wasn't going to be enough snow for the Tahoe Winter Olympics. And so they hired all these people to cloud seed, which is where they try to get it to rain and snow more. And then they were worried there was going to be too much snow. So they hired all these <laughs> avalanche specialists to sort of be there and, and work through the stuff. And it's just like, again, we're we're doing all these things that fundamentally change how things naturally are. And again, not even to try to make a judgment that that's good or bad, but just recognizing they have consequences.
0: Yeah. yeah. And the cloud scene thing, we've actually talked about that a lot recently because Colorado still does that. Mm-hmm. They still try to, you know, they said it can boost, you know, five to 10% of, of the snow they get, mm-hmm. which, you know, again, good or bad is like, that's not what we're trying to determine. We're just trying to understand the process and what are the side effects? What does happen? Cause you got to answer. Yeah. Uh, to your point, you have to answer those questions and before you answer, is this good or bad?
2: Yeah, and I'm, I do think, I mean, I, and I do sort of where I've come down is that there is a lot that's bad. There is a lot that can change and be better. But again, I don't think it necessarily always needs to be a, an all or nothing type thing. Some things it does. And like I said, maybe maybe I'll never get to visit every single national park. And that's okay. But uh, that also doesn't mean I, can, I don't have to stop camping.
1: I'm just saying you might want to, you know... Be cautious around the Philly area because I looked up Hitchbot again. I don't know if you have looked that up, and we've oh, talked is Hitchbot about Hitchbot ex- back. No, it's not. I was like, because we started talking. I mean,
0: this was so- a, this was years ago. <laughs> there was this. It was like a a robot that went across the country like hitchhiking. Like oh yeah, I remember pictures of it. Yeah,
2: I'm and it is in that in the where they beat now. they beat it with like bats or whatever? In Philly, and
0: yeah. beat it in Philly. It got all the way across the country and it got all to through through Philly. Canada. Well, we have, do you
2: have, I don't know what, where you both live, but we have, we're starting to see like delivery robots for like food and and groceries and stuff. Yeah. They look like little Wallies driving down on the sidewalk. Are people jacking those? Uh, I haven't seen
1: anyone. I'm sure it's happened, but, uh, you know. So I go bowling and they have this little uh, robot that yeah. delivers like what your food to the little oh. wing, So it's kind of cool. Like it's a nice little gimmick. Yeah. And I was talking to one of the guys and he's like, Oh yeah, you got to see on Friday night. People just take it. It's like a buffet. People <laughs> just taking stuff off, just taking a wing, just taking a, you know, cheese stick. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, they, but this, you couldn't get people to work during yeah. the pandemic. And then yeah. you couldn't get workers. You got to open your business back up. Turn to robots.
2: Well, yeah. And this Robots makes me think of like, you know, I'm in California and then they just copied us in New York where we have a ban on new sales of combustion engines by 2035. A lot of people like whatever, but it's like, it's also kind of a false uproar because like, I think it's like Mercedes and like a couple other car, major car manufacturers is like, we're going to stop making, we're only going to make electric vehicles by 2035 anyway. So it's like, even if you wanted to buy something, you, you couldn't but i'm all for electric fields i do think it's better for the environment i think it's a it's it's you know better but if everyone today switched to driving an electric car we'd still have a problem with the pollution right. from cars
0: and batteries and stuff and, like that well and there, you
1: got to produce that electricity
0: and, yeah wasn't that a problem in california how uh, there was like uh, there was rolling blackouts or there was some. Sort yeah of- yeah and so, people couldn't charge their cars. Yeah, or they so they the said don't
2: charge it at certain peak times and stuff like that.
1: So well, it's I'm like yeah, Florida, we just had a problem here where where people were without power for a week, and then they go to get in their car, they're like, it's out of battery. I can't yeah. After the hurricane, now. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, after the hurricane. So what do you do?
2: You're so it's like, like yeah, shoot. and even <laughs> and even if you were to solve all those problems, even the 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 environmental toll of having to create that much electricity has its has a toll as well too. So again, it's like. Yeah. This is another one of those examples of like, let's make the positive change, but also let's, let's not, let's continue to ask the questions. Even when we come to an answer, keep asking questions because yeah, there's always yeah. an opportunity to, to grow and improve.
0: And if we there. can make batteries out of sand and salt water, awesome. But again, yeah. there's still a lot of conflict minerals that are required to make these totally. batteries. And again, we shouldn't say, you can't say turn off making electric cars because of what that does but how do we continue to make how do we how do we get batteries that are more sustainable yeah because like with everything the first iteration of anything is shit <laughs> no matter what it is a painting a podcast a car
2: now trail awful. weight first episode is a bit nice gold, <laughs> gold. Bit gold, oh, our, gold right? but it was wasn't in, the first podcast i ever made
1: so there you well there, you go. Oh, See, there the you go first
0: the first one that we did it was the three of us sitting around a MacBook and not even know where the microphone was. So it was a <laughs> the first 10 were like
1: that. They were horrible. We were just but, idiots.
0: But we didn't stop. That's yeah. the thing. You got to keep st- keep going and try to, to, to do better. And Always that, try that, to do better.
2: That makes me think of liquid death. The, yeah, water, the water, you know, water, yeah. that's in a, it's in like a, a monster energy can, basically. Yeah. Part of their marketing is like, aluminum is more recyclable than plastic bottles, which is true. But so it's like, yeah water in an aluminum can is better than water from a uh, you know single use bottle. But there's also you know it's even better is just having your own bottle that you fill up with Keep water from filling. your house. Exactly. Now, now but all the companies that make the reusable water bottles, like they come out with new colors every month. How come they do that? It's because it's like, they understand people want to buy. So it's like, it's this scale. Like, yeah, like let's try to avoid plastic. And if you have to buy something, maybe buying something aluminum is better. But if you can get something that's reusable, that you can refill, but also don't fall to the same. And it's, again, it's always asking these questions, always iterating. Like you said, the first is isn't probably not going to be the best and continue to grow, continue to grow. It's like, again, sorry to force the analogy, but it's like, Training for whatever your sport is—hiking, skiing—it's just like you keep getting in shape. It's you practice, you know. Like that's what I love. Some of like the like you know the people talk about, you know, like this is a practice. It's not like you never you never a master in it, you know. You can always you look at the greatest athletes, you know, like they they're not settling. They they're always trying to improve, improve, improve. And I think whether you're at the gym, whether you're on the mountain, or whether you're you know trying to make choices of what to be a responsible human, we can always do better and try better.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's a great, you know, formula for a happier life too. Mm-hmm. To keep trying to grow and iterate and improve and get better. I mean, there's no reason why Mario and I should still be skiing and, and <laughs> training and exercising in our 40s. But like, you know what? It's like, I don't want to give up. Like, I want to <laughs> keep growing. I want to keep getting better because, you know what? I feel more alive when I'm doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to be that 80 year old guy ripping it down, doing <laughs> breaking my hip. Ooh, how'd you break your hip? Doing moguls. That's right.
0: Yeah. See? he do moguls. I can't Did talk- you? Yeah. Not for everybody, but that's how we that's how we feel.
2: Have either of you ever tried snowboarding or are you like diehard skiers?
1: Pretty die I thought hard. about it, I never pulled the trigger. Never did. I had friends that were really good skiers and it just kind of shied me away cuz they would break their wrist or mess themselves up and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to start over again. I think still I, I may try it, but who knows?
0: Going back to what you said, though, we're not the best. We're like, we're not the best skiers. So, we're always trying to get. <laughs> well, better I was to- told
2: you're the best. So, I don't know why I'm I on don't this know who you talk to, but
0: they, hopefully, they got the check. They did, obviously. <laughs> but it's like one of those things like you're never perfect. You you can no. always make a better turn, a cleaner turn, a crisper, lower tuck. So, it's again, if I took stopped doing that and got a snowboard, that would be time taken away from me getting better at skiing.
1: Well, it's also, you know, Andrew, it. you talked about enjoyment, right? Like you enjoy being out there, right? Doing extreme things, you get a rush out of it, but but sometimes it's not as enjoyable as just having that nice, cool, regular day out there where you enjoy nature and mm-hmm. being out and hanging out with friends or something, you know, just it's, you enjoy it more, you know, and mm-hmm. and life's, you start realizing the, you know, the more years you have on this planet, you start realizing how it's not about the extreme things. It's about enjoying every bit. Totally. And it goes
2: back to what we were saying about how you define failure and success.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was actually one of my favorite movies is uh, the Warren Miller movie line of descent came out in 2017 and had a whole segment on snowboarding, but they had it. And this was the first time I ever found snowboarding. Like I thought it looked so awesome is that these guys, they were surfers and they were like you know what's really kind of taking us away from the experience we want on our snowboards is our bindings so they mm-hmm. had the bindingless snowboards and they were up in mustang powder up in canada so they yeah. had beautiful snow like foot like a foot of powder and they're they're kind of really snow surfing, surfing. on these yeah. snowboards wow. with this fresh powder and it they were even saying that too they're like you know uh, if you're a competitive snowboarder you have to keep keep evolving keep progressing another half a turn another another flip and at some point all you're doing is just hurting yourself and are mm. you really enjoying your sport and they were saying like th- we weren't enjoying it as much because of that stress and that anxiety and that risk of injury but doing this like this brought us back to like being a kid and and the true love of the sport that got them into it
2: yeah well and at, at the risk of uh tying this up into a bow and actually taking away a lesson from this instead of just <laughs> hanging out with with some cool people what i'm hearing throughout all our conversations maybe is an underlying through line of uh like balance sorry to force the analogy i just it just popped in my head. but like like when you're on skis or when you're when you're hiking like balance is physical balance is so important and uh you need to balance hard. your life because you're gonna be exactly. Out there was you got a saying.
1: podcast that's blown up. You got groupies <laughs> chasing you now. But that's you're the thing. No, 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 but, the but it's, world, it's easy. Like, Come on, it's, let's get
2: it on. <laughs> it's easy to talk about like on like a physical level the importance of balance. But for me, at least, like it's so easy to be. That's the first thing I throw out the window when it comes to other areas of my life. There's a reason you need it when you're doing something physical, and there's a reason you need it in every other area of life too. Yeah,
0: a hundred percent. That is a beautiful bow. So are we going to put that
2: on a shirt? Do I get a third of the profits from it? Absolutely. No, no, you guys can keep it.
0: <laughs> we'll send you some free shirts at least. There we okay. go. There we go. I just have one question. Yeah. Since you are a coffee expert, what is the best coffee maker to have? Well, I'm a coffee a
2: drinking expert, not a coffee expert. There's <laughs> a, there's... What were you making
0: coffee when you were out there? What's on the, the best way to I drink
2: do. coffee then? <laughs> um, on the trail or at on home? On the trail. Um, you know... The Verge is it? Verge is a. It's like one of those you know hipster coffee, new age roasters, and they make a pretty good freeze dried, you know, mm. just add hot water thing. You just um, take a,
1: a scoop of it and wash it down
2: with some. water. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> um,
0: <Sure> honestly,
2: <laughs> I don't hate if I don't hate the little Starbucks Via ones. I don't like the Folgers freeze dried. Uh, you can make a lot better cup of coffee, obviously, if you're bringing beans or grinding it yourself and there's a lot of really amazing gear that that isn't too heavy but mm. I, I would found, imagine
1: like, the dried is pretty light right
2: yeah and it's just it's easier and it can work with you can just you can even throw it in cold water if you wanted to and but yeah the the verge ones i think are the best like you're you're constantly balancing flavor and dissolvability like for yeah. whatever reason the starbucks ones just like there's no grittiness there's no sandiness hmm. And it was invented, I believe, by, were they a skier or they might have been a rock climber who also worked for Starbucks? Oh, nice. And basically, I'm, I'm probably getting some of those details wrong. So sorry if you're throwing your phones, listeners. <laughs> but uh, it was like a person who worked they for Starbucks. don't
0: Star- listen for accurate accurate information it's it was a person
2: yeah yeah. it was a person from seattle who basically you know when there was this young upstart coffee roaster that everyone was talking about they took him and they figured out a way to freeze dry it better than you know folgers and whatnot and nice. i think they ended up working for starbucks for a while and like a, you know you just make innovation. it up as you go along
1: and you let people just <laughs> just get all pissed off i love it just, there you go if you say it on the on the air, if you say it on yeah. the podcast, it's, it's, fact, it's
0: true, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah you know, you just made me think. Al- Alpine Start makes a pretty good chai, dirty chai latte. That's like a powder that you can mix with.
0: I think they're based out of Boulder, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, my sister had a, an office, shared an office space with them for okay. a while. Those guys, yeah, yeah they're cool. they're pretty cool. So nice. Well, Andrew, this was actually a fantastic conversation. Thank you so I really much. Have... A lot of fun. For the I
2: really time, talking with both of you. Thanks so where much. Where
0: can folks get more info about you and check out Trailweight?
2: Yeah, the, the most info on Trailweight is just on the website trailweight.co. co. Um, it's
0: W E I G H T.
2: Yes. Um. You can also go to andrewsteven.com Andy r-e-w-s-t-e-v-e-n you can see the show and some of the other stuff I work on. And then we're all on social media. I'm, you know, not on it very often, but at Andrew Steven at Trailweight and all the places.
0: Excellent. Awesome. And season two drops on October 17th. Is that right? Yep. That's about when this will be coming out. So after you listen to this, go check out Trailweight and uh, check out Andrew's journey. Thank you so
2: much. Sure. It was great meeting both of you.
0: Yeah, you Thank as well. You, Thanks Andrew. for your time. Yeah. And uh, best of luck with season two. Thanks.
2: Yeah. Good luck. We'll be watching.
0: And we'll have you listening. back on uh, for season three.
2: Yeah, I'd love to come back on.
0: All right. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much, Andrew. Take care. Thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed that. If you want more information, go to our website at skibumpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. On all the socials Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Untapped, YouTube, at skibumpodcast. Send Follow us an email. Send us some love. Yeah, Listen. give a little love. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again to Chuck Bucket. Check them out, chuckbucket.com. Hitch mounted ski rack system. Snowbound Expo November 18th to 20th in Boston. See us live. See us live. It'll be awesome. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Stay high, stay falling. See ya.